The Rolling Stones get religion. Rock and roll, after all, has its roots in gospel and the blues. By Walter Bound. First published on the riff. Rock and roll has a history of association with Satan. It's why the merch and LPs of the Beatles were burned in the south of the United States when Lenin quipped that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Okay, it's British tongue-in-cheek, people. And how about that Elvis swinging his hips that made us want to discover the miracles of our bodies, the joys of living, dancing, <laughs> dare I say kissing. And we all know what that could lead to, right? Yeah, creation. It could also make sense that if African Americans were second-class citizens in the U.S., and it was from this deep well of musical pain and joy and salvation from Appalachia to Memphis to Muscle Shoals and the Mississippi Delta and all those crossroads of the South, then it would be, it had to be, right, an ancestor from the curse of Ham. You know, Ham saw Noah naked. Noah was like, oh my goodness, I'm naked. You need to go away and go to Africa. And that's, you know, like the biblical rationale for racism and slavery, if you can believe it. And therefore, this is all full of Satan. So this essay is about the stones and religion, man. Let's start with Prodigal Son off Beggar's Banquet, 1968. On this album, Beggar's Banquet, the stones said good riddance to psychedelic and thank you, Lord, to Roots Music. Robert Wilkins wrote the song. There's an interesting story about the song's credit. Tony Glover for the Rolling Stone, uh, for Rolling Stone wrote, The original Beggar's Banquet toilet cover credited Wilkins. When the record company rejected the cover, the revised plain white cover mistakenly credited Jagger Richards as the composer. Recent CD releases used the toilet paper with proper credit. Thank goodness. Wilkins was a 72-year-old former blues singer turned minister. The Wilkins song is amazing. And what's sad, though, he never really made a living out of his music, even though, man, guy is good. And, and what I love about his retelling of this biblical song, the, telling, the retelling of the prodigal son parable, the son who returns after squandering his dad's fortune, the father welcomes the son back because what was lost, now he's found. The other son, the younger one, in the classic parable, Luke 15, 11, 32, who stayed, is a little pissed because, hey, I stayed here the whole time. You didn't kill the fatted calf for me. But this song has no younger son. And it's something about leaving the nest, as we all must do. But if we fail, and, you know, sometimes we do, uh, we come home and family may be there with open arms. In the song, the son leaves the nest but can't find a job. There's famine in the land. He wants a job and only finds a job feeding swine. And that's no way to get along. I don't want to feed swine. So he comes back home, and the father celebrates. Oh, thank God. But the son says, you know, I'm a man, but a man is still needed in the family. There's no shame in that, man. It's a great narrative song full of African spiritual hill country blues that so many rock musicians popularized. <laughs> we could debate the ethics of this, you know, cultural appropriation. Okay, next song about religion. You gotta move from Sticky Fingers. Death is the great equalizer. I swear this could have been on Cold Mountain or Brother Where Art Thou. It has such a deep, soulful American folk history. How a British rock band of white blokes from London carried this off? Well, that's the history of rock and roll. Sadly, or however you want to frame that. Again, 
lots of debate here. Though not the original composer, Mississippi Fred McDowell popularized the song in 1965. It's an African-American spiritual that had been sung for decades. The two gospel keys recorded You Gotta Move in 1948. Emma Daniels and Mother Sally Jones were a gospel duo. Uh, Stephen Wade from the beautiful music all around us, that's where I got that from. And before McDowell, Sam Cooke recorded the song in 1964 with the lyrics, You may be high, you may be low, you may be rich child, you may be poor, but when the Lord gets ready, you gotta move. McDowell's slide song is regarded as hill country blues. He tuned his guitar to D. It has a call and response feel to it. It's like in rhetoric, he asks a question and then you get a clap back. Or like, are we going to take this? No, we're not going to take this. But this is this is in music. The guitar here feels like it's singing the blues without any vocals or lyrics. And notice the sweet vibretto and the aggressive chord stabs. The bass string just rings out. You know, that, that, uh, that E at the top, the sixth string. And he just let it open, and it's just crying out the blues. The Stones version honors McDowell by not changing too much, which may or may not be a type of theft. Again, we could debate that. But it was through the Stones I discovered, as the world discovered, millions discovered, the glorious source for the music we still adore over these 60 years of the Stones. The Stones first played the song in concert as early as 1969, but it was not until 1971 they officially released the song on Sticky Fingers. The Stones credit McDowell and uh, this guy Gary Davis as the composers. <laughs> By the way, that's Mick Taylor on the Fender Telecaster with his slide. And like many rock singers, Jagger does his best, we could debate, you know, does he, does he get away with it, to imitate a southern black dialect. These were different times. There were two live versions of the song, uh, from the great Get Your Yagas Out, 1970, and uh, Love You Live, 1977, which I haven't really uh, listened to, but doing research for this, I'm going to have to give that a spin. Let's go to our third song, uh, Sweet Black Angel. Oh my god, I love this song so much. It's probably in my top ten Stone songs of all time. How could a British band create such great American music? I'm not really sure how they do it, but I'm not alone in viewing Exile Main Street. 1972 is the greatest album among all the Stones' great albums. This song is amazing on many levels. It was Mick Taylor, which many regard, as I do, the best guitarist from the Stones, and he, he got tired of like the hedonistic lifestyle of the Stones. and like, listen, I just can't take this anymore, and he left. And, he, and to this day, he's, he doesn't make any money off the Stones. Think about that for a second. But anyway, uh, he's still Mick Taylor. But, uh, sidebar, but and he's, he's cross-picking to a West Indian beat, if you hear that. It's also deeply spiritual and soulful and earnest. It's a country blues ballad, right? So rock and roll, it doesn't mean it has to be rock and roll. It can, it can go all different places. And it's a protest song. And that is not as rare as one may think for the Stones. Think Gimme Shelter and Paint It Black. And I can probably do a podcast on the Stones protest songs. The pinup girl on the poster is not sexualized. He sings, I got a pinup girl. On my wall, but we think about a pinup girl is like a centerfold. But she's not sexualized, but politicized. She's not a singer. She's not a star. And that's Angela Davis. I did not know this until doing research. And Mick Jagger was influenced to write the song after seeing the protest posters asking for her freedom. The song concerns Angela Davis, but the song could be about anyone of color oppressed through institutional and systematic, systemic racism. Watching her brother's falling one by one. 
Davis was, is, she's still living, an American political activist, professor, and author who was an active member in the Communist Party and the Black Panther Party. Hmm, I wonder why Ronald Reagan didn't like her in the 60s. Angela was a prof philosophy professor at uh, University of California at L.A., and Ronald Reagan learned about her political connections and pressured the university to fire her. Oh, my goodness. Angela fought back. The Supreme Court of California ruled Angela could not be banned for party affiliation. This is America, right? Was this another, like, witch hunt? However, several months later, the university found another reason to fire her. Oh, okay. They claimed that her comments and recent speeches were too politically incendiary. Okay, so a backdoor thing. Around this time, Angela lost her job. She became involved in the Soledad Brothers Defense Committee. The Soledad Brothers were three black inmates at Soledad Prison charged with the murder of a white prison guard. Uh-oh. Right? And she got she got implicated with this. And there was a committee that sought to raise funds and awareness in support of these three accused women. And I was doing some research reading from Women and the American Story. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Also, the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, the website on the African American History Museum, which I've been to, go there. It's amazing. Um, I got information from there, too. And she was found not guilty in 1972. Uh, so much for freedom of speech in the United States. It depends on what you're saying, right? All right, let's go to the next one. Also off of Exile. Again, this album, 18 tracks. It is just magnificent in its tone. And it's just weaves together. In, uh, I, okay, stop. Stop, Alan, stop. All right, I just want to see his face. Bill Jankowitz does a great job explaining this song, this this rock uh, journalist. Like much of Exile, I Just Want to See His Face has the band exploring the music of America, specifically the country, blues, folk, and soul of the South. As with much of Harry Smith anthology of American folk music and Bob Dylan and the band's legendary basement tapes, you know, like the band, the, the night they drew Vault Dixie down, um, I Just Want to See His Face sounds ancient and from another planet, he writes. A swampy, stompy gospel song that was recorded to intentionally sound as if it was in a field recording document of a long-ago church basement revival meeting. Woo! Yeah, you know what? When I've listened to this several times, uh, Bill Jankowitz was right, and he's writing that for all music. The lyrics are simple, uh, but that's not the point. Like Doubting Thomas, we all want to see his face, right? That's a capital H. We want to finally see the truth. Like, okay, like, show me. Show me the money kind of thing. Show me the wounds, Jesus. Show me. Sometimes you felt the trouble. Sometimes you felt down. Let the music relax your mind. Stand up and be counted. Oh, I love that. Let the music relax your mind, the lyrics. And also stand up and be counted. I love that. Isn't this what spiritual uh, Negro spirituals did, you know, in reading Frederick Douglass? He's like, well, that's why we were singing. Because if we didn't sing, we would die kind of thing. And there was no salvation here, but maybe there's salvation uh, in the next life. And it's through music and communal singing we can be free in our souls. And maybe even in our minds, even though our bodies are not free. In Exile on Main Street, it's, uh, I think it's the most bluesy spiritual album from the Stones. I know it's my favorite. I'm right up there with Let It Bleed. All right, let's go to Salt of the Earth, Beggar's Banquet, 1968. It's a fitting song for the last, last song on the album. The song comes straight from Scripture, man. Like, here's Matthew 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Quiz for rock music snobs. What band sang trampled underfoot? I'll give you the answer at the end. Just add 10 points to your rocker app score. So here's the lyrics. Say a prayer for the common foot soldier. Spare a thought for his back-breaking work. Say a prayer for his wife and children who burn the fires and who still and who still till the earth. All right, so this is this is Vietnam and the common foot soldier. So, you know, we can we can uh, do some application there. Uh, but this song has Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Sermon on the Mount all over it. You know, the very thing that some Sinos, Christian to name only, totally avoid or discredit or forget. Oh yeah. Uh, Jesus told me to do these things, but, you know, eh, it doesn't really fit with my current thinking. But it's not something one forgets. It's like Jefferson's Bible, who cut out all of the interpretation and the gospel and the explanation and just kept the words credited from Jesus. And I guess this makes sense uh, to be a human in the world. Uh, Jagger sings, and when I search a faceless crowd, a swirling mass of gray and black and white, they don't look they don't look real to me. In fact, they look strange. Some of my good American brothers and sisters today, and those around the world too, look strange or seem strange, like all those who deny the rights to fellow human beings. I'm like, okay, we're talking, everything is going along fine, and then suddenly you drop something that's like, whoa, dude, man, that is so strange. How could you think that? All right, let's go next to uh, Far Away Eyes from Some Girls. And uh, we're going to 1978 here. All right, imagine if the Beatles, like the Stones were kind of just getting, rearing up and getting really, really good. Uh, when the Beatles were like, you know, drifting away and the Stones were like just getting into high gear. Imagine if the Beatles were still like doing stuff in 1978. That just, it's just fascinating I just to think about it. Is this... The most underrated Stone song ever, uh, Far Away Eyes. I remember this as a kid, too, when I was, like, 11. Or is it The Hand of Fate off of, uh, was that, Black and Blue? This song is not anti-religion, but it's anti-confidence men. That's where we get the word con men, who use religion to separate the stupid from their money. <laughs> you can add politicians to that mix in Madison Avenue. The song is so funny, though. It's uh, satire on fundamentalist Christian preachers. And um, let me do my best to sing this. I was driving home early Sunday morning through Bakersfield, listening to gospel music on the collar radio station, when the preacher said, you know, you always have the Lord by your side. And I was so pleased to be informed of this, I ran 20 red lights in his honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm so sorry for that. This has always cracked me up, though. Even when I was young, in Sunday school, the summer I was raised Presbyterian, but just a summer after the great divorce of 1979, I was 10 years old, I remember a balding man in a blue leisure suit smelled of death and mothballs, and he said, God was everywhere. Was God in the toilet? <laughs> There's no proper way to answer that. The song satirizes the Pollyannish thinking of selfish, self-serving prayer. Pray to God, and God will give you what you need. For me at the time, well, later, it was an Atari game system. For a country bumpkin who sings in his superb vernacular dances on the line of stereotype, his prayer is for a girl with faraway eyes. So many are duped by these con artists, separating the stupid and ignorant from their money and their conscience and morals, promising easy answers to very difficult questions. 
Do people really want to think hard and work hard or believe some stupid, insipid man or woman? All right, think about history, right? In the last stanza, Jagger sings, Well, the preachers kept right on saying that all I had to do was send $10 to the church of the sacred bleeding heart of Jesus located somewhere in Los Angeles, California, and the next week they'd say my prayer on the radio and all my dreams would come true. So I did. The next week I got a prayer with a girl. Well, I love this. You know what kind of eyes she got. Well, I'll tell you. All right, it's such great vernacular, right? It's just, it breaks, it, it, it's, just, it's just really funny. And how many down on their luck spend dollars they cannot afford to lose on lotto tickets and games of chance? And also in the voting booth. Sorry, not to get political, but really everything's political. Hand of Fate, Black and Blue, 1976. Sorry, so this is like in the, this, this album gets a little heat sometimes and gets forgotten by Stones fans. And But I hear Johnny Cash lyrics here. Maybe some Bruce from the river, Woody Guthrie, Leonard Skinner, like, give me three steps, about a man who had to protect his wife from a violent barroom man, and he shoots him twice. He was in prison. He was prison-bound, but escaped. He saved his life. And this violent man had no love for uh, his wife, this woman. So he had, like, like, a love triangle thing going on. The wheel of fortune has turned. The hand of fate has intervened. And this, you know, if you know anything about the wheel of fortune, not the game show... But in the medieval and ancient philosophy, the Wheel of Fortune, or Rhoda for, uh, Fortuna, symbolized the capricious nature of fate, All right, where, oh my god, I was just high, high, high on the hog, and now suddenly I'm, like, destitute, right? It's like I went from high to low, and you have no control. And in the song, did he have to shoot him twice? Uh, was one to defend, but the second for vengeance? I always find that pretty interesting, why he shoots him twice. The chorus repeats what seems to be a total lack of free will. I'm on the run, I hear the hounds, my luck is up, my chips are down, so goodbye baby, so long now, wish me luck, I'm going to need a child, the hand of fate is on me now, yeah it's too late, too late baby, too late now, the hand of fate is on me now, the hand of fate is on me now. It pick you up and knock you down. Well think about how much control uh, Job had, right, to get back into the religion. Like, he's doing really well, and he loves God, and all of a sudden, God and Satan decide to, like, make his life miserable, right? He didn't have any control. Abraham, right? You gotta kill your, your son. Like, what? Right? I guess it's all about choice and obeying God or whatever, but I don't know. But it's just, this is a song you don't hear too much from Black and Blue, but I think it's, I think it's really catchy. All right, I gotta do Sympathy for the Devil, Beggar's Banquet, 1969. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, look up the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, it was a BBC TV special, and like two-thirds of the way through, you see John Lennon in the background kind of like dancing. It is a fantastic recording, um, and it, it goes with the more, like the original intention of Sympathy for the Devil, and I've watched videos where they're in the recording studio working this long out, and it is so different. It's slower, and it's much more laid back, uh, and very good, but, you know, nothing, you know, very different than the studio version that they released. And I know what you're thinking. You know, what's the nature of my game? Well, you know, why are you including Sympathy for the Devil in a religious thing? Well, it's an incredible song. The primal drums, it's infectious. Um, and it's a favorite among favorites to the devotees of the Stones. Even people who don't like the Stones once said, oh, I love this song and, like, Paint It Black. Oh, yeah, they're great songs. They also have, like, 200 other great songs, but, you know, 
everyone has their own opinion. When I was a teen, I counted the hoo-hoos in the song. I actually did. And it's something like 200. Like, hoo-hoo-hoo. That's what I did. I was like, have ADD. And it was something better to do than math homework. Right? I guess it still was related to math. And what does the devil have to do about getting religion? And what is the nature of the game? What about the balance of the universe? Creation and destruction, birth and death, light and darkness, right? In, uh, in Hinduism, there's always like the balance. There's always the destroyer God and the creator God, right? Um, we don't really have that, but we kind of do have it. It's just seen in different ways, right? We have Satan as the very powerful archetype, whether it's Darth Vader, Voldemort, Milton's Lucifer, Ursula the Sea Witch, Sauron the White Witch, you know, you get it. And many believe that you need a threat of punishment or a bad grade, a cop sitting behind a red light or a zero for an essay. I know if I put in a zero for a student, I'm a teacher, that essay will be submitted to turn it in. But if I just leave it not as a zero, they won't do anything. But so there needs to be like some kind of hammer or something. That's wrong, but maybe that's just human nature. Um, so should Satan deserve sympathy because he serves a greater good? Right? The devil also serves the purpose in free will. If it's just fate that moves our directions in the world and actions, free will is largely negated. Knowing about good and evil and then choosing to do evil without fear of consequences. Right? So you think about Harry Potter and, you know, whoa, or like uh, Bilbo Baggins or Frodo Baggins, one of those Baggins, you know, yeah, the temptation to wield that power, but you say, you know what? I need to not go there. Some go there, right? And then they wind up dead. But, you know, it's like, okay, but if it's, if it's fate, it doesn't really matter what you think, right? The song changed radically in the recording studio, as I said. Um, and there's some great videos out there that you can uh, just uh, research. Uh, and you can hear the original song, the, kind of the original, uh, on the live version of Get Your Yagas Out. So we have Pontius Pilate in the song, who washed his hands to steal the fate of Jesus. He didn't want to do it. The crowd made me do it. Oh, man, you hear that You hear that all the time. But, you know, I, I kind of feel for uh, Pontius Pilate. I have a Coptic Christian friend who Pontius Pilate is, like, really up there as kind of saintly. All right, I got to do a little more research on that. But, you know, he's not innocent because he's still the fate of Jesus, but, he, but he's still a man in power. He's, like, caught in the middle. He's like a, a typical middle, a middle, middle ranking official who like has to fire the person because the person above him said fire this person. So he's just, and then you know he's caught in the middle, middle management. And in class, I asked the class how many would actually go if they knew the devil was going to be in a certain location in the woods at a certain time. It's amazing the hands that went up. And then we had a lively discussion. Some say with faith, one does not need to be afraid of the devil. Some are just curious. After all, Lucifer is legend, right? And if you know the great narrative of the book of Job, which I talked about earlier, uh, which we also study, God and Lucifer, uh, Lucifer translates like light to lumos, right? Harry Potter, lumos, work together to test the faith and fidelity of Job. So maybe that's why we should have sympathy. And I love this line. I watched with glee while your kings and queens fought for 10 decades for the gods they made, for the gods they made. And they fought for 10 decades. And then the, Lucifer's just laughing. Like, <laughs> I watched with glee. And what was that about thou shalt not kill? That's in the Ten Commandments. 
And how did we all have a hand in the death of Kennedy? Man, that, that's, that's, that's a worthy discussion right there. Um, who killed the Kennedys? After all, it was you and me. Hmm. And how about what is right and wrong? Do all good guys wear white? Of course not. Do all bad men wear black? No, of course not. No, a sinner can be a saint, like St. Augustine. And someone there to protect us can just do the opposite. Well, what is down is up and what is east is west and all that good stuff. And, and Jagger sings, just as every cop is a criminal and all the sinner saints, as heads as tails call me Lucifer because I'm in need of some restraint. I love that idea. Like, I need to be restrained um, because there's so much to correct in the world. I mean, we can debate the meaning of that. Um, it's also a, just a crazy great song from the Vietnam era. I know I cut some. There's other Stones lyrics and Stone songs out there about religion. But I, this, this essay can't be too long, and it's already, what, 25 minutes uh, I'm speaking for. So um, think about what songs did I miss. Uh, maybe I'll do a, a deep dive into the blues with the Stones, beyond their typical score of hits. And for the rock snobs out there, Trampled on Her Foot comes from Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti. It's one of my favorite songs off that phenomenal album. But that's for another time. Thank you, everyone. Rock on.